Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here, and this is uh, a really important Sunday. A number of the things that I've seen building up to this Sunday have really, really uh, warmed my heart. There have been a number of times in the last four months where there's been a tremendous response to something that we were hoping to build, um, both now and in the future. And um, this Sunday is no different. And for that, I'm very grateful. There's a number of positive things that I want to share with you. Number one, um, the good news of the week is yesterday, this block was about the center of the universe uh, for, uh, for very positive things. We had the um, race for the pies. We had um, the holiday fair was in our FLC. We had a number of people coming in, in and out of the FLC. And our own Don Chapke uh, had an amazing uh, piano concert that we, uh, that we enjoyed thoroughly. We had a great crowd, and um, he did a great job. Um, I want to tell you about um, our um, Thanksgiving baskets. Y'all probably, uh, you know it far better than I do, especially those that have been here a number of years. Um, but we want to celebrate today the Foundations class uh, had a great response to their uh, Thanksgiving baskets that they'll hand out. When we go have lunch directly following the service, you'll see all those boxes uh, lined up in the stands, and that was tremendous. Uh, Adam Wycliffe is going to tell us about a walk for hunger today. Because we need one more thing today, right? Um, so yesterday, um, Joe was talking about the Run for the Pies 5K. We had an encouraging, I think we had about 60 runners out there, which was great for an almost 5K. Some of us took a shortcut. But uh, it was really a great event for the soup kitchen and the shelter. And today we have our second event for the weekend for the soup kitchen. And it's the Merle State Hunger Walk. A lot of you knew Merle. He was very dedicated to the success of the soup kitchen and making it what it is, the, the great place that it is today for all of our clients. Um, we serve on average about 140 meals every single day to the people of Greer who are in need. Uh, today's hunger walk will be held at 2 o'clock out in the parking lot in front of the FLC. Um, all you need are your, your feet, or if you have wheels, you can bring those. Um, but pretty much it's just a walk from the parking lot down to the soup kitchen. The whole point of this is to raise awareness. We'll be selling t-shirts for the event uh, for a $20 donation. You can also make um, regular donations to the soup kitchen as well if you believe in our mission. So uh, we are very thankful for the help from Memorial United Methodist Church and your continued support. Just a couple of things about our service. It's, it's obviously different today, meeting at 10 o'clock, and we'll go immediately um, from this service, the conclusion of this service, into the FLC um, for lunch. We've got um, uh, Sheila Springfield has catered our lunch. I think it will be delicious. We've got a great setup in there. It's a little tight, but that's a really, really good thing um, that it's a little tight. We've had a great response for that. Um, we have a guest uh, speaker today. In this process, um, you have a minister come from out of town and uh, Reverend Reggie Thaxton is here with us today and his wife Yvonne and um, Reggie's one of my heroes and so when I asked him if he was available and he said yes I you know I was just sort of floored um, grateful to everyone who has participated in this process and especially Mary Lee who's led us um, through all the steps of this process I'm grateful to her for that grateful for y'all's commitment to participate and um, just one logistical note um, Typically on the fifth Sunday, we would have one service at 10 o'clock, but we're doing that today. So next week, we have two services like we always do at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock with contemporary and traditional. Um, the service will end in a slightly different way today. Um, Reverend Thaxton will explain to us um, exactly what we're going to do. So let's turn our hearts to the Lord.
Please stand as you're able for our first hymn, We Gather Together, number 131. now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father. From then she shall come to judge the quick of the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life of the Please be seated. Spirit. 
Let us pray. Gracious God, you have created everything. You have given it to us. And you have established covenants with us since there have been human beings. You loved first. You provided first. You gave overwhelming abundance first. Then you asked us to respond with our actions, with our words, with our own generosity. Be with us, Lord, as we take this solemn vow this morning to participate in a covenant with you in the coming year. Be with those who are unable to join us and help us, Lord, to be your loving hands and feet, ears to these people. Inspire us this morning, Lord, with the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Our first scripture reading this morning is from 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 8. And it's found on page 1803 in your pew Bible. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. And if you will take the attendance register on the outside of your row and sign it as you pass it across. If you're a visitor today, we're so grateful to have you. If you want to put any type of contact information, we'll reach out to you in the way that you prefer.
difícil. The text for today is from, from Luke's Gospel, and it is on uh, page 1,625 of your pew Bible, if you'd like to follow as I read it, beginning with the 10th verse. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much, and whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've conducted worship services for the last 16 years in my retirement on Lake Marion down near Santee, South Carolina. We meet from Memorial Day to Labor Day, and uh, it's an unlikely place to preach for someone who spent his entire life in nice, commodious surroundings like this with stained glass windows and air conditioning and lights and robes and uh, nice clothes. My people come in bathing suits and pajamas and shorts, and they come in boats and rafts. They sit in pickup trucks and golf carts, and, uh, and, and it's an absolutely delightful place to worship under the, under the trees with no ceiling but the sky and no comfort except the breeze off the lake. People ask me, well, we can come to your church. We can come to other churches. Preachers ask me if we can, or tell me that people can come to their church in bathing suits and uh, shorts and casual clothes if they want to. And I always ask them, but can they bring their dogs? <laughs> we do. And one of the things I like is not just that the, we're surrounded by our animals who sometimes take control of the service, but that I don't have to ask for money. I don't have to uh, beg people to do what they should already be doing. And, you know, I guess one of the first questions people ask is not about how you dress, but one of the first questions they ask is, do you take a collection? We have a teenage boy with a jet ski and a gallon milk jug that he rides out among the boats. <laughs> we take a collection because we're mission-minded. We support Sockahatchee significantly during the summer. We support uh, the uh, Children's Home in Sumter, the one in uh, Orangeburg, and Epworth Children's Home in Columbia. We believe in helping other people. We uh, responded to the need for housing just recently during the floods that we had in our areas. But most of all, we take a collection because we recognize that God is the source of all that we have. Nobody else built our place for us. It's God's, and we know that. And because God told us to take a collection. It's, it's back in the Old Testament. Moses has the statement. It's in Exodus, the 35th chapter. Joe, you make a note of that. You may need it sometime. It's, Moses said, this is the thing that the Lord has commanded. Take from among you an offering to the Lord. <clears throat> In spite of that, congregations don't like to hear money, topics about money. And not many preachers like to talk about money. I was pastor of a church uh, where Joe also served in Charleston, a large church in Charleston, where uh, once every year, usually in the fall, it was the senior's minister, senior minister's responsibility to create a program by which we could underwrite the church budget for the next year so we could stay in business with God. Most of that was done in one or two Sundays. And I prepared a sermon on the biblical principle of tithing. 
and if I do say so myself, I prepared a really good sermon on tithing. <laughs> Use of money as it relates to God. It, it may well have been the best tithing sermon I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> there was another pastor on staff, a young man who was well versed in worship. I think his major in seminary was on paraments and candles and robes. And worship could not occur if everything was not proper. The right robes, the candles being the same height, the hymn books all placed in the pews and facing in the right direction. It all had to be right or nothing could happen. And on the Sunday that I was to preach my magnificent sermon on tithing, he busied himself, <clears throat> excuse me, he busied himself making sure that everything was in the right place, the right color, at the right height, and but he forgot to mark the Bible on the lectern. And so when it came time for him to read the scripture based on which my great tithing sermon was based, you know, it's from Malachi, the third chapter, bring ye the full tithe into the storehouse, and I will pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And I was ready to preach on that topic he stood and rushed to the pulpit and realized he had not marked his Bible, the pulpit Bible, the big Bible. So he started thumbing through the Bible. Now he knew that Malachi, he had been to seminary, he knew that Malachi was in the Old Testament. It's the last book in the Old Testament. It starts with an M. He only missed it by 40 pages. <laughs> he ended up on Micah. And he read the scripture from the third chapter of Micah, and you can check this if you'd like. But he read in the 11th verse, <clears throat> its rulers give judgment for a bribe and its priests teach for a price. <clears throat> and I had to preach my magnificent sermon on tithing with a topic like that. Well, when false prophets were a problem in both the Old and New Testaments, many of the conflicts had to do with money. False prophets were often called wolves. And Ezekiel talked about those wolves who are out to get dishonest gain. And the Apostle Paul warned the leaders of the church in Ephesus, grievous wolves shall enter in among you. And near the end of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, according to Matthew, he said, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but are like rapacious wolves. That probably resonated with Matthew because during the time Matthew was putting down Jesus' words in the gospel that bears his name, the church was plagued by people who had given up their homes to wander the countryside preaching what they determined to be the word of God. And some of them used their office to gain prestige and other to impose on the generosity of local congregations and some to live a life of pampered idleness, and I've known preachers like that. The first book of Christian order was called the Didache, and its regulations regarding those wandering prophets is illuminating. It says that you should honor true prophets, but if he stays more than three days living off the local congregation, he's a false prophet. During a revival meeting, two sweet ladies were discussing their role in talking about the week's activities, and one said to the other, I've been feeding the locust preacher all week. And the second one said, no, no, you mean the local preacher. Locust is a little thing that comes in and eats everything inside. She said, that's the one I've been feeding. <laughs> the rule about traveling prophets was to protect against Christian idleness said that if he asked for money for himself, the church should ignore him. He asked for money for others who have a need, then you should honor the request. And because of that rule, I have come to Memorial Church in Greer today, not as a false prophet, but I have come to share a truth of God's universe that growing spiritually requires a serious look at being honest financially. 
Growing spiritually requires a serious look at being honest financially. For the last 17 years, I guess, I've been involved with churches leading this stewardship program called Consecration Sunday. It's a very effective program based on the fact that we're not talking about budgets. We're not talking about the need of the local church, of this church to receive, but on the necessity for disciples to learn to be generous. The necessity of disciples to learn to give, to take another step up in your spiritual discipline. You've heard about that during the last, well you've heard about it over the years, you've heard about it specifically in the last couple of weeks. So I've come here not to talk about money, not to talk about budgets, but about growing in awareness of God's claim on what is the most important thing in our lives. And that which is most important to most people in the contemporary society is money. We're afraid to try to live without it. We are afraid that we will not have enough to be comfortable. The 93-year-old mother of Mary Scott lived simply but comfortably in an assisted living home and worried daily about whether she would be able to uh, have enough money to live out her life there. Even though her savings were ample, she worried daily about her finances. And her son-in-law was a CPA, and so he did some figuring and he tried to ease her mind by calculating how much it would take for her to live that given her expenses, he said. He said, Mother, you've got enough money to live comfortably for 16 more years. And that 93-year-old woman said, but what am I going to do after that? <laughs> Another widow made her contribution to the church treasury. It was just a few pennies. And Jesus commended her because she gave all that she had. Perhaps she had heard Jesus when he had said earlier that uh, people who love God should not worry about tomorrow, about what they will eat and what they will drink and what clothes they should wear because God will take care of their needs. So she was freed up to be recklessly generous to give everything she had because she knew that God would not leave her destitute. And each fall I try to <clears throat> I try to help a couple of thousand people understand that relying on money is what keeps us from putting our complete trust in God. Jesus spent a lot of time talking about possessions. He was aware of the subtle danger of being possessed by your possessions. He knew that people who trust in stuff don't think much about heaven until we learn that spiritual growth and financial honesty go hand in hand and we will always think that sermons about money are about money while they are really about idolatry. Anything and everything we turn to in order to satisfy our deepest needs and longings can become an idol. And that is especially true in regard to money. At the end of the scripture that we read together this morning, Jesus said you cannot serve God and wealth. And Jesus followed that truth with a story later in that chapter that I think makes the point that while you cannot, serve, you cannot serve God with wealth, you can serve others with your wealth. The story's about a rich man who passed a beggar every day and ignored his pleas for help. The rich man did nothing. Totally walked by, didn't give him a drink, didn't give him a bite to eat, didn't give him a, a coin from his purse. He ignored the proverb that whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and, I will, and will be repaid in full. And so the rich man in the story that Jesus told died and he went to a, an eternal fiery torment. And while there, he begs for water. 
just a drop of water, even a drop of water from the filthy, dirty, leprous hand of the beggar who sat at the gate. The relief, of course, is not possible. And the formerly rich man uh, begs the messenger to send a warning to his brothers who are living that same selfish, ego-centered lifestyle that ignoring the needs of people in distress does have consequences. To me, the story, because it is told after the statement about loving God and wealth, is a story about using what we have to lay up treasures in heaven. Possessions are not a sin. Possessions are not evil by nature. But they are a great responsibility to be used properly. I, I've heard people say, well, how you use your money uh, reveals your character. I'd like to add to that how you handle your money reveals how much God can trust you with. Because that's what the scripture says today. Reread it. Jesus clearly said it in another parable, whoever is faithful in very little is faithful also in much. The great almighty God who created this universe and established the principles which guide it designed life so that those who accept responsibility and fulfill the requirements of good stewardship, those who accept the tithe as their standard of giving are the people that God knows he can trust with more. That's a fact of the universe. Think about it this way. If you are not tithing what you have to spend, why should God trust you with more? Would increasing your blessings raise the percentage of your unfaithfulness? But if you tithe, if you're faithful with what you have, perhaps God can trust you with more because it won't corrupt you. That's what Jesus said. said it in a parable about faithful stewards. He said, you have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. That's what it means. And Consecration Sunday offers us an opportunity to look seriously at our loyalty. We're asked to hold our possessions before God and say, how can I best manage this for you? God won't take them away from you. But he will transform them into his ally. And he will make of your possessions a blessing for ourselves and for others. So the question of the day is, what's the best way to use our resources? What is the best way to use what God has given us to keep them and use them for ourselves so that we can live a comfortable lifestyle and make of them idols? Or to place them in God's hands and prove our loyalty. We're going to give you that opportunity today and it's going to be done with a very simple little card which we will distribute among you in the congregation. Now I want to give you some directions, please. The first thing you do when you get this card is write your name on it. If you don't, if you leave a blank card, we'll think you didn't come to church today and we're coming to see you next week. <laughs> or we'll send Joe. I want you then to put down some numbers. Maybe you don't believe in putting down numbers that somebody in a church office might see. If that's true, put down a zero because that's your commitment to the church budget, to the building fund, and total. And put down there how you're going to give it. Don't, don't say you're going to give it weekly when you mean monthly because that's going to mess up the figures. Uh, Write your name, 
put down your commitment. Let me ask you to do this. Consider, consider the tithe. My mother taught me to tithe when I was a teenager. And it has been the most significant blessing of my entire life. And Yvonne and I have lived very comfortably, and we still do. And God did not leave us destitute. And he will not leave you destitute. Try it. Prove your loyalty. Get away from the idolatry of money. And when you finish filling out your card, bring it to the kneeling rail and leave it here. I'd suggest you leave it with a prayer. You know, I, I make a commitment. I like to say, God, I'm doing this and I want you to help me. Uh, you can pray that prayer. Pray that God will help you. Some of you will kneel and pray. Others will just stand there. And others of you have said it in your pew already. And then join me for lunch. If you didn't make reservations, I've checked. There's a few extra plates there. We have room for you. And I'd certainly like to visit with you in the fellowship hall following the service. I'm going to ask the ushers to come. And I will give them the cards. And they will distribute them among you in the congregation. And when you finish filling out the card and bring it here, you may go to lunch. I will say a prayer that God will bless our gifts, our dedication, and our food. Make sure everybody gets one, please. More than enough. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we have come to this sacred moment trusting in your grace and your mercy that what we do will be blessed and that you will not leave us in distress. Help us to make a wise, intelligent decision to move toward you in the use of that which for some of us is almost an idol. Help us to move up in our commitment. And now, Lord, we thank you that someone else has committed to provide us a meal. And we're grateful that it comes from you. And we're grateful that uh, we have the time to share in fellowship. So bless us and bless our, our time as we eat together. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, I didn't give you two guys one. Thank you.